Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hey there, ghosties. In this episode, I'll be doing a live reading with one of my beloved listeners. Every Wednesday, listen in on an intimate conversation and get inspired as we explore perspectives on life, love, and the human condition. Along the way, we'll uncover valuable insights and practical lessons that you can apply to your own life. And don't forget to hit subscribe or at the very least mark your calendars because every Sunday I'll be back with your weekly horoscope. And that you don't want to miss. Let's get started. So, Anna, welcome to the podcast. What would you like to ask me about today? Yeah, so I have a question about spiritual cultish groups. Pre-COVID, I was a part of a spiritual group that practiced Reiki, psychic development, sound healing, and it was my first intro into those types of topics, and it was led by a healer slash psychic. I confided a lot in this person and felt really just like seen and heard, and in hindsight, I'm afraid I was outsourcing my power and made a lot of really big decisions against my better judgment. And I now realize that that's not the first time I've found myself in a part of just cultish groups in general and fitness, wellness, even in careers. So I just want to know, why do I keep finding myself in these situations? And how do I be a part of communities without falling into some kind of groupthink or just like giving my power away? It's a very good question. And it's I'm sorry that that happened. When you left the group, was it like hard to leave? Or were you just like, I'm done with this and you walked away and you weren't chased or anything by them? Yeah, I think I was lucky in the fact that COVID kind of dispersed it. And Mm. so it created that separation where I had a lot of time on my own to reflect and I wasn't a part of that group every week. So it was a physical separation, really. I see. Okay, because you were meeting in person. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so I should share, you were born January 26, 1996, 11.02 a.m. in the big city of Laurel, Maryland. When I first read your question, I was like, what is Neptune doing to you and why? Or what is Pisces doing to you and why? The reason why those were my thoughts, my first thoughts, is because Neptune and Pisces in our chart often can make us feel like there is a magic answer to complex questions. And that magic answer is somehow pure. Mm-hmm. And it is like clean, whether it's like ethically clean, spiritually clean, it may be, maybe for you, it's around like health and fitness clean. There's something about Neptune that can go in that direction. Neptune also governs cults and it governs cults for that reason, because there's this feeling of like, I want to let go of control and I want to find the purest, most beautiful answer. Unfortunately, in the world that we live in, there are way too many people, many of whom are intentionally being manipulative, many of whom are themselves somewhat deluded, who are like, I have the answer. I'm going to tell you exactly what you can do. And it's so simple. And you're going to feel so much better. All you have to do is follow these steps. It generally includes giving things up. So you mentioned like Reiki healing and psychic stuff. I'm guessing that this woman or this group kind of required you to let go of habits, things, people, something. Is that right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And what was it? What were you supposed to let go of? Well, I would say that it definitely framed relationships in a way of like letting go of people, family, jobs, career paths. So I would go and ask questions about like an idea of I wanted to head in this direction with a career. And it was like letting go of those ideas and kind of like the life I planned for myself. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. With a little bit of hindsight, does it feel like it was good advice? I'm getting the idea that it does not. 
Yeah, no, it's not really that great. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're, we're gonna we're gonna like unpack this as we go. There is this part of you because Neptune sits on top of your Mercury conjunct to Uranus. You've also got Venus and Saturn in Pisces in the twelfth house. Because of these things in your nature, there is a part of you against all your better judgment because you do have Mercury in Capricorn. You mm-hmm. are a moon in Aries. You do have a Taurus rising. Like there's a lot, you're an Aquarius. There's a lot about you that's very critical and analytic and, you know, you're a pragmatist. But those parts of you that are pragmatic and analytic are also like able to see what's wrong. All the things that could go wrong in the world with your job in a relationship. And it is really hard to psychologically and emotionally process that. And so then in comes Neptune and Neptune's whispering in your ear all the fucking time. Hey, maybe there's a simple answer. Maybe if you wiggle your nose and kiss your toes, then everything will just be right. And There's always going to be someone who's giving you that perfect spiritual answer, unfortunately. I do think you are somebody who has to be mindful of cultiness. For you, the kind of gateway drug feeling, if you will, is always, I am looking for a simple answer that will make me feel good. And I know that that's a really annoying thing for me to say, because of course, we all want a simple answer that will make us feel good. But what I want to kind of ground is it's not like there aren't simple answers that make us feel good in a moment, in a situation. But as far as like a life path goes, life is more complex than that. For those of us not living on an ashram or something, like if you're living in circumstances that are set up to insulate you, sure, you can you can be perfect in your ideals. But realistically, you've got to engage with the world. And for you... The parts of you that are very aware of that and very down to do that can also be kind of hard, right? Mm-hmm. Mercury and Capricorn, it's a placement where you're a pragmatic thinker. You're a realist. You're always like scamming for what could go wrong. And your thinking can be highly attuned to failure, like a fear of failure or pitfalls all around you. And then on top of it, in your birth chart, you have Mercury square to the moon. When you're feeling your feelings, your brain is just blah, 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 blah. It's like going, going, going. And when you're analytically processing, it makes you really emotional. Yes. Sorry, because that is hard. I think it's one of the harder aspects between Mercury and the moon because they say like mental and emotional health. Like people talk about those two things as though they're inseparable. They're actually not inseparable for all people. They're very hard for you to parse apart though. Mm -hmm. When you meet someone like this person, and it sounds like she's just one example, who's like offering you a one-stop shop where you just have to let something go, Neptune, so that you can kind of be more pure, again, Neptune, that for you is always something to be incredibly guarded around. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. A lot of sense. Yeah, it's super annoying though. It's super annoying. You mentioned that this has happened before. How has this happened before? I would say just in different contexts, like for example, in fitness, I used to be a personal trainer And I definitely found myself like completely entrenched in that like culture and was being trained by somebody who mentored me in a way, but I realized later it was very controlling and manipulative. Mm. So it was the same thing. It's like a mentor figure that I feel like has all these good intentions, but is maybe the intentions are in their favor and not mine Yeah, in hindsight. Okay. That's, thank you for sharing that. In your chart, you've got this Venus-Saturn conjunction. It is wide, but I'm going to, I'm going to say you've got a Venus-Saturn conjunction. And that gives you an inclination to want your relationships to have clear roles. That is comforting for you. 
in part because when you get intimate with someone, you're like, I'm supposed to give them everything, right? Like I'm supposed to give them every single part of me, right? And then when you do that, you're like, oh, wait, 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 I'm a fucking Aquarius. I can't give them everything. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And so you can really pull back and shut down. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, slash yay, slash <laughs> boo. Like there's good and bad in it, right? Yeah. When you find a mentor, somebody who wants to take on the role of like, let me be your shepherd. Let me show you the way. There's something, regardless of the content of whatever it is they're trying to teach you, there's something that's so nice to you about it because it's a role. They have a role. They know something. They're wise. They're going to share it with you. They're generous. And you have a role. You're going to listen, not be obedient, but really take on the lessons like a good Capricorn Mercury person, right? Like a good Saturn Venus person. Like you like the clarity of that role. So at first, to a certain extent, regardless of what they're selling, you're buying because it's soothing to you to have that kind of relationship in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. This is where you're in trouble, though. In your birth chart, you have the North Node in Libra. And what this means is that you have come here on a soul level to learn how to share yourself with other people. When you're in these relationships where the role is they know stuff, you learn it. You're never really sharing of yourself with that person. In fact, you're not supposed to get to know that person and they're not really supposed to get to know you. There's kind of this assumption that they already get you from the beginning. Yes. I always feel that way. I'm like, oh, they just get me. I feel like they know who I am, but that's not always the case. It's probably absolutely never the case. Mm -hmm. They do not get you. They're just good at selling you on them getting you. Mm -hmm. And any person who's going to be like, I get you without asking you questions and engaging you. I would say this is where you want to be cautious. This is where you want to put on your critical thinking cap because there is this part of you and it is really a deep kind of reflexive part of you that doesn't want to have to work on relationships at all. Because of that, these relationships that are so structured, that are really based in fantasy and not reality, from day one, they're comfortable, they're intimate, and there's potential for long term so you don't have to worry about maintaining them. That for you is just like, oh, okay, I can relax. I have to work so hard. Whereas if you met someone at the exact same gym, who's like, let's be friends. It would be so much effort for you to be like, do I actually want to talk to this person? Do I want to do all the work to get to know them? You're very like hot and cold with small talk. And do you have like long-term friendships? I don't have a lot of really close friends. I will say that. That's why I seek community so much is because I do feel lonely sometimes, yeah. but I don't ever feel like I really click that well with anybody unless it's that like intense domineering thing. Right. It's like a fake click. And do you tend to date? Are you in relationships often? No. Like I dated in my early 20s, but I haven't dated since the pandemic. It's a long time, but also like, I don't know, how do you put your face near someone's face during an airborne breathe on me and it could be tragedy for the rest of my life pandemic. So I'm not going to critique that personally. I feel like that's good on you. But I do want to say this. You're an Aquarius. You got Sun and Mars both in Aquarius. You like your fucking space. You like your own head. It is a very comfortable place for you. You are somebody who can be very annoyed by people. Plus, you got that Aries moon, my friend. It's in the 12th house, but it's sitting right on your rise. And so people actually annoy you. You don't always have patience for people. Yeah, definitely yeah. right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Such also well-earned. Okay, people are can be annoying. That is real. And also... Because of that fucking Neptune thing, because of the Saturn Venus, you have Disney princess problems. Like 
you want the perfect person. Do you, do you, what's the right gender for who you date? Boys, girls, they's, thems? Males. Males. Okay. So there is this very real part of you that's like the perfect boy will just come upon, he will walk upon my path. I will be living my life and he will come across my path. And then we'll have this like moment and it'll be magical. And then we'll just know each other. We'll get each other. We'll fall in love. And that will be the story. And then when we kiss, my foot pops up. You know how the Disney princess, her foot always pops up when she's in love. Bada bing, bada boom, happy lady. And you have similar fantasies about friends. Like I will meet this person that we're going to be friends and we'll just fucking click and we'll just have things to talk about and trust will be there and she'll get me and I'll get her. The problem is real relationships do not actually like work like that. Every once in a while they do. But that's just like having your retirement plan being winning a lottery. Maybe. Also very likely, maybe not. Mm -hmm. I don't want to like rob you of your idealism and your romantic nature. But I do want to say that in a way you are unconsciously robbing yourself of it because you're applying it to people who are trying to essentially sell you something, mm -hmm. whether they're trying to sell you like a program or whatever, but also they're trying to sell you on their self-image mm -hmm. instead of getting to know people and then being generous with your take on them, which is not really how you do is my guess. No. No. Yeah, that's true. I have really annoying news. What you really need to do is to figure out how to date, not be in a relationship, and have pals, not have friends. Not because I think you should date forever and only have pals, but because step one generally comes before step three. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, what comes up around that, if anything? Yeah, I just am thinking a lot about that. Is like, do I know what that in-between is? It's almost like a boundaries thing. Like, I don't know how to dip my toe into a friendship or acquaintances. Like, I just think I need to learn how to do that. That's what comes up. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because you know what? You're not alone. Like, this is not the 20th time I've had this conversation. I have had mm -hmm. it many times. You're not alone. You know, if you think about the bulk of human history, we were friends with and dated the people in our immediate community. It is a mm -hmm. very modern new thing in human development that we have like the world of options, right? Mm -hmm. And the world of distractions. So it's not bananas that you're like, I have no idea how to do that. And you like writing lists, right? Mercury and Capricorn, you like a list? Big lister, yeah. Yay. Okay, good. <laughs> Wherever you start this list, I think there should be a version of it on the notes of your phone so that you can easily be like chatting with someone and then hop in the bathroom and then look at your fucking notes to remind mm -hmm. you, okay? You're going to want to return to these notes. It is not a cheat sheet because there's nothing cheating here, but we can call it a cheat sheet because it's whatever. It's a convention to use that term, but it's not a cheat is what I want to say. Here's my advice. You're going to make a list. Start with the list that you know. What is a bestie? As a Capricorn myself, I like to work with what I call R&R, &R, which is not rest and relaxation because that's for much more relaxed people than me. It's rights and responsibilities. So okay. you're going to make two lists for bestie. What are the rights of a bestie? Like, what does a bestie get from you? Honesty, you show up for them, whatever. It doesn't have to be a long list, but it can be a very long list if you've got it in you. So what is it that your bestie gets from you? Now, what are the responsibilities to you? Like if she's or they are your bestie, what are the characteristics of a bestie? I would start with the bestie because I think you have a very good fantasy going of what a best friend is. Yeah, definitely. I've got two more lists. Do them whatever order seems most viable. And if this takes you months to do, that's fine. Because it's such a simple bit of homework, but it's emotional. So it's, it's weirdly hard to do. The next two kinds of friends are friends and pals. 
two different categories. So there's the bestie. That's somebody who you've been through some shit. You have had highs and lows potentially. So there's been opportunities to develop trust. So maybe like you had highs and lows of the relationship, or maybe it's like they were there for you through some shit. And then you were there for them through some shit, right? Highs and lows. Best friend. It's like a, it's like getting, you have to earn it. Mm -hmm. You've got to get there. But a friend is somebody that you can rely. It's like a similar thing. It's just the volume isn't turned all the way up. Yeah, definitely. So you're going to do your, your rights and responsibilities, your R&R lists for the friend and for the best friend. And then we're going to go to pal. Part of what fucks you up here, too, is that there's this part of you that's like, what's the point? Like, what is the point of this? Yeah. If I don't, <laughs> you're like, if I don't know this person, if I don't trust this person, if this is awkward, like, to what end? And you mm -hmm. kind of shut down. Your Aries moon takes over and is like, we're out. Listen, you don't like to think of yourself as a judgy person. Like you really do not like to think of yourself as a judgy person. Slash also, you can be very judgy. Mm -hmm. I have a lot yeah. of opinions. Yeah, I respect <laughs> you. Listen, you have got Pluto in the seventh house and it's sextile to your son. It means a lot of things. But in the mix of it is that you have very strong impressions on people. Mm -hmm. If you had a little more emotional elasticity, if you had better boundaries, then you'd be like, oh, this person seems incredibly insecure in this situation. And I find that to be a little off-putting. Huh. Okay. Let's see what else I get to know. Instead of, and I find that off-putting, I'm walking away now, which is kind of what you do. Because when people annoy you when you're first getting to know them or disappoint you or aren't very interesting to you, it makes the Disney princess in you cry. And... <laughs> <laughs> and then she falls into a deep slumber. Like literally, it seems like that is what happens for you. It's just like you feel it shouldn't be so hard at the beginning when it's actually the time when it is the hardest. Uh -huh. Right? Totally. Besties shouldn't be that hard. But pals, it takes a while to get to know someone. And most people, absolutely 100%, including you, are not themselves when you first get to know them. Totally. You are not yourself when you get to know people. Mm -mm. Um, what are some characteristics of a pal? It is somebody who you can have verbal exchanges with that are interesting enough. Huh? Enough. Mm -hmm. Are you pre-bored? Are you pre-annoyed by that? I can tell that I'm bored with it, but I can understand where the benefit is. <laughs> yeah. Can you think of anyone right now who maybe you work with or you just kind of know who's kind of a pal? I can think of a coworker that I would say is a pal. What's their name? Her name's She married? Yeah. And do you find that annoying, the way she talks about her family life? Yeah, like I just don't resonate. Yeah. It's not just that she has those experiences. It's the way she talks about them where you're just like, girl, you're just like, I don't know who you think you're talking to is what it feels like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there's a couple things going on. She has this idea about how you're supposed to interact at work. So she's like chatty and then she stops. Is that right? Am I seeing that correctly? 100%. Yeah. And you're just like, could we have more of a flow here? Like she she talks too much for you sometimes and then it's inaccessible other times. Yeah. And I feel judged sometimes. You're both judging each other. So that's yeah. true. It wouldn't be fair to say she's judging you because of how much you judge her. <laughs> if I'm being oh. honest. Is that not true though? I mean, it probably is. I don't think I know how much I judge because I think my internal critic of myself and others is so much that I think it's normal. Right. Because if you're being super mean to yourself, it doesn't seem like you're being mean to other people. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fair. Not ideal, but fair. Yeah. No. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, there are times when you're talking to this person and you genuinely enjoy it. It's not when she's talking about her family. There's that. I think it's valuable for you to think about why it bugs you because some of it's just like, it's not your life. I'm seeing some of it is because it's too personal. Like some of the things she shares with you, you're just like, hold your horses, Nellie. Like, what is that? And then some of it is, she seems basic to you. 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely. It's too much information and it's like very superficial at times. It's like two things you deeply dislike. It's like too superficial, but also she's trusting you with too much at the same time. It's a terrible combo platter. Mm -hmm. I don't know that she has enough people to talk to. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. I think people confide in me for some reason. Yeah, because you listen. You don't talk a lot. Yeah. So people are like, oh, you won't interrupt me. You won't stop me. I will keep going. Thank you. And they just think you're a great listener when you're like starting off as a great listener, but then waiting for it to end. Now, I want to just take a pause and pull back and say, you do the exact same things with what we are calling your like culty crush types, where you listen, you retain, but it's your role. And because it's your role, part of what they do is engage you on purpose about how you're receiving the information. Mm -hmm. This is part of why you have a pull towards these culty people. They don't actually challenge or push you to be different in this particular way. Now, with this person at work, say her name one more time because I got her, but it's like I, I'm seeing her through your eyes. So it's very hard for me to change my <laughs> opinion here. Hold on. But say, say her name again. Name's Thank you. But you do actually like chatting with her about like stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing like magazines. You talk to her about like celebrity bullshit or TV or something like that. Yeah. Shows, pop culture. And you actually enjoy talking to her about pop culture, right? Yeah. I think it's less deep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. It is on you when she starts talking about her family. If you're not trying to be deep friends with her and you're not trying to be super annoyed with her to be like, oh, my God, that's really interesting. That reminds me of this thing I saw and just shift the conversation back to pop culture so that you can have a relationship with this person that you actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Finding a way to verbally articulate what you're willing to talk about. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, coworker, let me tell you, I don't really want to hear about your family life. Or if I hear about it, I need you to talk about it for under four minutes the whole time. You know, like you can't really do that because we can't process with people we don't trust. Like that makes no sense. But you can redirect. There are ways of redirecting that are graceful. And so she's talking about like her kid or her husband. You can be like, I saw an episode of Blah Blah Show and your husband's really reminding me of this guy. By the way, did you hear that the actor who plays this guy wears a toupee? I'm just making shit up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it might mean that you need to know a little bit more about pop culture than you do. I don't know how much you stay on top of things, but it's a direction is basically <laughs> what I'm pointing you in. Does this make sense? Yeah, it does. You have another palish person in your life? I could say another person, but she might be a friend. <laughs> okay, good. Perfect. Then give me their name. Her name's You're right. I don't know if she's a new friend or if there's like a, a scale, like let's say from one to 10, 10 is like, you're right on the verge of being my bestie. She's probably like at a three. Like mm -hmm. she's in, she's like an early stages friend. Mm -hmm. Like we could pop her back to pal without too much drama. True. But she's pretty far from bestie. And I will say that there is nothing wrong with you using that idea of like, on a scale from one to 10, where are they in this category? Not so you're rating people. It's so that you're locating your own feelings of safety and connection with people, which I actually think is not a skill you've developed. Totally. So say her name again. You haven't let her get to know you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to let her get to know you? Yeah, well, something I've almost said this whole time, and it feels relevant, is that, like, my best friend that was my bestie, like, literal bestie, she actually died. And I think that has, like, caused a confusion for me of, like, mm. what what is a friend? What is a pal? Because for me, when I did meet her, it was that, like, 
princess, Disney princess. I already knew her. It was like immediate. Mm. So I think for some reason there might be a block of like, maybe I don't want people to get to know me since she has passed. I don't know if that could oh, be. Oh, I'm really sorry for your loss. First of Thank all, you. I'm really sorry. And did you get to know her when you were in school? My bestie. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> My best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like high school or college? Actually, it was elementary. It was elementary. Like yeah. Long time. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you're a kid. The older you get, the less likely that is to happen simply because you have too many experiences. Like in elementary school, yeah, someone can know you. You've been alive for seven years. Even when you're 19, being alive for 19 years means you've been having like something in the family of adult experiences for what, five, mm -hmm. four, you know, six, maybe depending, you know. But now you're older, so it's like less likely. And the older you get, the lesser likelier it is. So there is that. But I think a big part of what you're saying is that you haven't developed friends in adult milieus, which, again, you are not alone. It's mm -hmm. so hard to do. The Biden administration and Interior Secretary Halen have moved closer to approving ConocoPhillips' Willow Project in America's Arctic. A final decision will be made on Willow by early March of 2023. It's important that we take action now. Willow is an $8 billion oil and gas project. The Environmental Review says that Willow would open up an estimated 629 million barrels of oil and produce up to 287 million metric tons of CO2 over the next 30 years, equivalent to the annual emissions of over 76 coal-fired power plants. ConocoPhillips has told investors that approving Willow stands to open up 3 billion barrels of oil previously inaccessible to the industry, more than five times the estimate used to evaluate Willow's environmental impact. Visit stopwillow.org to sign and send a letter to the White House and Department of the Interior and speak out on social media to help. That's stopwillow.org. Okay, I'm going to sneak attack you if you're okay with that. Do you mind if I check in with your friend who's passed away? No, absolutely. What's her name? Mm -hmm. And it was sudden? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. You have somebody else who's close to you who passed away as well? My grandfather. Were you really close with him? Mm -hmm. You look like him. Yeah. Like the Isn't shape of your face. Yeah, you look so much like your grandfather. Super weird. Okay. <laughs> Is that your mom's dad? Yeah, actually, she was adopted, though. So it's but her you dad. Her dad, not her biological father, though. No. You look just like him. That's so weird. Mm -hmm. Wow. He's actually coming through first to be like, mm, I don't know about this digging around in your psyche thing. He's very protective and he's very like, mm, let's see about talking to me, basically. He's be being very protective. Is that how he was? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Slash also good. That's nice. But it makes sense. You've got this guy who took care of you, who loved you. And he's like, yeah, don't talk to fucking strangers. So straight out the gate, we got some information. Mm, stranger danger yeah mm -hmm. and not like stranger danger like we talked about in the 80s but like actual like your grandfather believes that everyone who's not family is somehow dangerous on some level mm -hmm. that's a family mm -hmm. thing yeah okay <laughs> i can also see your bestie is actually not coming through all the way but what she is showing me is that it was the two of you against the world always you were like that bestie couple that was inseparable and like other people could try to be friends with the two of you but like it was the two of you is that mm -hmm. am i saying that right Yes. Yeah, that's like deep Disney princess shit. That's like, I met my prince and we're done. 
Mm -hmm. It's over. You can just, you can imagine the best is the rest. From the perspective of your grandfather and your family at large, do you agree with them? Like if you're not part of the inner circle, you don't belong anywhere near us. I don't agree with that. No. Okay. Because I think you're operating off of that still, even though you don't really believe it. Mm -hmm. And this is part of being pre-Saturn return, which you are. You're going to have your Saturn return in a couple of years. And so you are inevitably going through the like, oh, fuck, I have to change this really deeply held belief that I don't agree with at all, period, leading up to the Saturn return. The homework I would give you around this, and this in general is a good way to prepare for the Saturn return when you're in that like two-year lead up to it, is to just notice whenever that comes up. You know the feeling. You know what I'm talking about, eh? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. So just notice it. And a good thing to do when you notice it is on a scale from one to five or one to 10, whatever's easier for your brain, rate it. Okay, fuck, this is a 10. This is like a, this, um, this feeling is at 100% right now. Okay, duly noted. Or this is like showing up as a three. I feel it. I'm aware it's there, but it's not like driving me. Okay. And the reason why rating things in this way is helpful is because it separates, like it gives your brain a sense of separation. I am not this belief. This is not the inalienable truth. This is a habit. This is a belief system that's really a habit that I've held on to. It's not something I actually want to identify with. Yeah, it is habitual, definitely. Yeah. Looking at your grandfather, it is, whoa, a Mm -hmm. deep habit in your family. He doesn't want me to talk to your best friend kind of habit. Like he's just like protecting you. It's not that he doesn't want you to talk to your best friend. It's <laughs> that he doesn't want me to talk to your best friend. This habit of yours and, and, and these like feelings, thoughts, behaviors of yours are not actually as a result of your bestie's passing. What I'm seeing really clearly is you were like this before. Plus you had a bestie. Got it. And then part of me is like, I want to like call her in and check in with her. But I will say she is not like present in the same way your grandfather is. So I would have to pull her in, which means nothing bad about where she's at at all. It just... Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, like, no, not at all. Not, yeah, n- n- not anything negative at all. It's just, I don't... And I would have to pull her in to know, is that because she's evolved in such a way that she's just further from us, which is only a good thing mm-hmm. for her, not for us, but for her? Or is it because she's not trying to derail this conversation? Because it would derail the conversation, to be fair. I feel like this person is your sister. Like she she knows you backwards and forwards and she knows all your tricks and she's just very loyal to you. So I, I could see her not wanting to like make this a different kind of conversation than it needs to be because you do need friends. Mm-hmm. And we're not focusing on dating because we kind of don't have to be because if you're going to date a guy, he should also be your friend. Mm-hmm. So this like pals thing is directly related to dating, like going on the first I don't know, seven, nine dates. Because a man is stranger danger until you get to know him, not until he like tricks you into feeling a certain way for five minutes, mm-hmm. right? Do you want to be in a relationship? I do. I think I'm scared, but I think yeah. I want to be. I agree with both of those statements. You are scared and you do want to be. There's some wisdom in your fear because you don't know how to have boundaries with people. And the reason why you don't know how to boundaries with people is because you lose track of who you are and what you're feeling when you're around other people. And so you either shut down or shut them out or you just kind of like give everything away. Mm -hmm. You know, we've established that the way that you've given everything away has so far mainly shown up in these like culty dynamics, whether they're culty friend groups or with a culty leader. But it could just as easily happen with a boyfriend or with a bestie, right? Mm -hmm. You are not doomed to have this pattern play out for the rest of your life. I just want to be emphatic about that. Like, you're not doomed here. This is a bunch of habits 
that have kind of made you unfortunately pretty vulnerable to this dynamic, but you change the habits and then everything else changes too, mm -hmm. right? This is why this the focusing on like learning how to go on dates with strangers or like have social interactions with pals that are not people you're letting in as friends or they just haven't gotten there yet. Maybe they're on the path to potential friendship, but we're not sure if we're hiring them for the position yet. This is a really important skill and it requires that you offer a little bit more of yourself in interactions, which is not just about sharing. It's also about directing conversations when they get stupid and annoying to you. Mm -hmm. Not just letting people bug you, but being like, look over there. Was that a cat? It doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing to redirect a conversation. Sometimes it's literally just changing the subject in a pleasant way, in a sociable way. Within that, I think there needs to be some acceptance that people are exhausting for you. Mm -hmm. You really do want a bestie. You really do want a couple friends that you can like connect with one to three times a month. Like mm -hmm. you don't need all the people of the world. I do see that you like being a part of like communities or groups where you can come together and like you're all on the bike together. Are you a fitness cycle person? Yeah, hiking, that kind of thing. Okay. So like having those kinds of groups, I think is really great for you as long as there's not like a charismatic leader involved. Yes. That's the key for you. So that you go and you chit chat and it's like fine. It's super fine. Sometimes it's really fun and lovely and sometimes it's a little annoying. And so it evens out to a delightful fine. And then you got your, hopefully, partner one day, mm -hmm. bestie. Here's the thing about the partner. The romantic Disney princess part of you wants to merge. You want to fall in love, and then you move in together, and it's so easy, and you have the same stuff. Oh, my God, we have two of the same couch. What are we going to do? It's a hijinks, right? Like, there's this part of you that wants that kind of, what is it, a Hallmark movie. But yeah. You really do. I'm so sorry, because <laughs> every other part of you thinks that's ridiculous and would hate that. You would hate that. So this is where it gets complicated because the reality of who you are is that you need a lot of space. You need a lot of autonomy and independence. The reality of who you are is if somebody tries to force you to process before you're ready, you will shut down forevermore. You can wait anyone out is what it looks like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. You're tough, tough cookie. So what that boils down to is boundaries, is being able to express to people in the early stages of dating. So like after... You've been on, you know, three to six dates, depending on how things shake down. Hey, I'm really independent. I like spending a lot of time alone. So just so you know, if things go really well, I'm still going to be really independent and like spending a lot of time alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just make a like offhand comment. And if he gets offended by that, he's not for you. Mm -hmm. And if he's like, oh, OK, interesting, weird, cool, whatever. Great. You can proceed. The key is to not pretend that you're somebody who can just merge with a partner because you're not so much that person. Yeah. Does this make sense? Yeah, it helps. The fact that you're dealing with all this stuff is right on time. The fact that we're having this conversation is right on time because, again, you're prepping for that Saturn return to release these like unconscious habits and attitudes about relationships and about yourself so that you can actually start to have boundaries, mm -hmm. right? This is exactly what you're meant to be dealing with at exactly this time. And it's likely to be pretty challenging for you because Pluto is forming a square to your moon, which we haven't been talking about specifically in this reading, but we've been talking about specifically in this reading. You know, it's mm -hmm. about you showing up for yourself emotionally. And that means with others, sharing a little bit more of yourself. Mm -hmm. This is very challenging for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the right work. And again, when people have, 
pre-prescribed roles, you find that to be the easiest time to do it. It has proven to not be the healthiest time to do it, but it, but you feel like it's the easiest in the short term. And what that tells you is free frame is intimidating to you. If I give you like something to like color in the lines, you could do that. But then if I'm like, here's a piece of paper, here are markers. You're just like, I don't, I don't know where to begin. I'm speaking, of course, metaphorically about your relationships. If this feels right, you know, as you sit with this conversation, having that self-awareness can help you to have empathy for yourself of like, oh, okay, I don't really know what kind of a dynamic I want with my coworker friend. I don't actually have a clear idea. And that's part of why I'm not having boundaries with this person and why I'm like 50% of the time liking her and 50% of the time annoyed by her because I don't even know what I expect or what I'm offering here. For that relationship specifically, I would throw this idea into the ring. You want to have a work friend. Like she's a great pal to have as a work friend. Maybe once every couple months you find a reason to like go to the cafe together or you get, grab lunches together all the time or half the time. Really, it's like a friendship of convenience, this mm -hmm. particular person. Does that feel right to you? Yes. Okay. So if you were to accept that, then it's more motivating to get her to talk about her family less because you want to like her if you keep this job for a long period of time because you can't mm -hmm. just like leave the dynamic, right? You're at work. Mm-hmm. It is worth it to try to find ways to really like her, but it is not worth it to make yourself super vulnerable with her in the ways that I'm talking about with more friends mm -hmm. or even if she was a different kind of pal, because you're not actually having the ambition to transfer her from pal to friend. So that can make it a little easier to navigate because, again, you're going to make that list of rights and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I feel like I promised you that I was going to talk about, like, what are components of pals? And I never really got to it. Is that true? Did I never get to it? You never got to it, no. I never got to it. Let me just give you a couple little bullet points that I would put on, on the pals list. You make each other laugh. You have shared interests. You don't trample on each other's boundaries. Everyone steps on a boundary here and there now and again, but no trampling that turns somebody into not a good pal, right? Yeah. A lot of times pals are, like, a function of convenience. Like, they're at work. They're somebody who are in your hiking group. It's somebody who you're interested in becoming friends with, but you don't know yet. So you don't have enough closeness or experience yet. Mm -hmm. I would say going on dates in the very first couple of dates, they're in pal territory. Like you don't know them. And so when you have a pal, you have somebody who you're trying to determine how you can enjoy each other, engage with each other in a way that brings something to your days. But in order to do that, you have to bring something to them. Mm -hmm. So your big move is to bring a listening ear right? Like you like show up and you, you listen to what they have to say, but you want to add more tricks to your pony routine. I would encourage you to think about like, what are other things I can bring in? And that might mean, for instance, with your work friend, talking about celebrities more it can be super superficial, even though that annoys you sometimes, maybe that's what you're going to challenge yourself to do more of because it's easier. That's like, it's a very light lift for you, but it's going to be important for you to think about what are your responsibilities to a pal? It's not just to listen, it's also to do a little bit of sharing, right? Mm -hmm. This is why it's not just about what are you supposed to get from someone, it's what are you supposed to give to someone. The more intimate the relationship, you're very clear about what you're supposed to give people, but the less intimate the relationship, you're like, I just, I'm gonna leave. I don't need to be here, do I? Like, you just kind of are more likely to bounce. Does this make sense with your experience? Yes, it does. And I find that I then complain about not being listened to. That makes sense. You don't train people to listen to you at the early stages of relationship, and then they don't. The people who are going to stick around for a palship or a friendship with someone who doesn't ever talk about themselves, somebody who loves the sound of their own voice. 
Mm-hmm. And somebody who's like, this isn't reciprocal. Like, I don't actually know her. They're not going to stick around if you're persistent, not sharing yourself. Right. So those mm-hmm. people might peter away. And those are the ones you want to not chase after, but you want to pursue relationships with people who actually want a back and forth. And those people might make you feel more awkward. Honestly, mm-hmm. you're going to be less comfortable with them at first. Your comfort is not a sign of this person being good for you or not being good for you. Your comfort is a sign of your old habits being engaged. That's interesting. I think that's where my confusion is, is that like when my comfort, if I feel uncomfortable, I think maybe this person is not good for me. The culty vibe is where I got uncomfortable in the past and I pushed past it when I was uncomfortable. And then I kind of got like bamboozled in the end. Okay. So let's talk about that part because you got uncomfortable once you knew them. Yes. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. I am talking because once you know a person, yes, if you're uncomfortable, pay attention to that. It's at the very beginning when you don't know a person, if they make you instantly comfortable, my guess is they're doing this very important thing. They're taking up all the space. They're talking about themselves, talking about themselves, talking about themselves, or they're telling you who to be and how this, these three simple steps that will make your life better. They're doing mm-hmm. one of those two things. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Now. Now. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that like at the very beginning, we're in the palship stage, which is translatable for other kinds of relationships. Your comfort is not a reliable resource because mm-hmm. you're the most comfortable with unhealthy, tired dynamics. People who are like, actually like, hey, how are you? And they're waiting for you to actually answer. Those people make you uncomfortable here and now in the short term. Those are the people you should be talking to. Because they're making you uncomfortable because they're actually listening to you. Yes, that makes so much yeah. sense. Whereas like that coworker that we talked about, you've been working with her long enough, you know her well enough. You're not actually trying to transition her into a real friend friend. She's a very good candidate for a work friend. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to have different kinds of relationships for different things. Again, you, my friend, are an Aquarius. It's okay that you're like, I like lots of different shaped boxes and mm-hmm. they're different sizes and they have different purposes. Once you actually know someone, listen to your gut instinct, listen to your discomfort or your comfort. But when you're in those early stages, your instincts have a habit of leading you in the same direction over and over and over again. It's like kind of a dead end road. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've kind of hit it, but I want to see, do you have any kind of final question? Anything that is like left in your head where you're like, I don't know. I think my one kind of final thing is that I kind of want to know like when I was a part of these groups do you think that they started out with ill intentions or the more I got involved in them like they evolved like I'm just trying to get engaged is it it my fairy tale princess that it did seem good at first and like I did feel like I got things out of it but Mm -hmm. then it wasn't good the best lies include some truth Mm-hmm. Right. We know that we watch enough fiction, TV, movies, stuff. Right. We know best lies include a truth. I say this to say before I look at the answer, just because you got value from it doesn't mean it was good for you or the intention of the giver who gave you some good things was mm-hmm. clean. Yeah. OK. Are we looking at two different groups? It looks like there's three. I can think of two. Okay, let's focus on the two. So we're going to beep these out, but will you say the name of the first one, the fitnessy one? It was called The owner and also the mentor is Was it mainly women in this group? Yeah. Personally, that is always a fucking huge red flag. When a man has assembled a bunch of women to listen to him and obey on some level, we want to call that shit a red flag. He's a huge fan of people deferring to him Mm -hmm. in all contexts. 
he really enjoys the power and he would deny it to his grave. He has an idea about himself that is a little bit of a fantasy. And he really likes other people to believe that fantasy. Yes, 100%. So it's not a black and white answer. It's not like he's like some sinister guy standing at a railroad tying up women and waiting for a train to come. Like, that's not the thing. He's, I'm sorry, are you old enough to know what that is a reference to? Okay, that just seemed really weird to you. Okay, sorry. I'm gonna freeze. It's like a very classic old black and white movies. There's like a guy and twiddling his mustache. Anyways, that made no sense to you. What I'm trying to say, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting so old. What I'm trying to say is he is not a mastermind evil guy who has a plan and he's executing his plan. He is a man who wants to believe that he's good and also have power over people. He's helping you as long as you listen to him. And that is dangerous. That is dangerous. Yeah. As soon as you're not listening or not helping him, it turns the opposite direction. Correct. Because he doesn't actually want to help you. He wants you to believe in him. Mm -hmm. His ambition is to help so that he's powerful and respected and revered, not to help because he has empathy driving him. Mm. He does not. Does that answer that question with that guy? Yes, that clarifies. So let's go with the other one. The group, I guess, mm-hmm. was called. Oh, my. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And what's the woman who runs it? Were you guys taking drugs at all? No, but it felt like it. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, it does. Yeah. She believes everything she's saying. Okay. But she's an energy vampire. Everyone, everyone, everyone who works with her at first feels better. And you at first feel better because she's sucking the fucking life out of you. So you leave and you're completely depleted and empty and it feels like your burden has been lifted. And then over time, you have less energy in your life. Your life is not better. Your life is worse. And so you need more of her in order to feel okay. She is an energy vampire and that is deeply, deeply dangerous. Her motives and her belief about herself and the world, she doesn't think she's the villain. She thinks she's a healer. I'm sure a lot of people would swear that she is a healer. Mm Mm-hmm. But she's an energy vampire. She's just tapping you like a maple tree. And it's really great that that ended for you. Because I think if you had stayed in it for too long, it would have been harder to get out. Mm-hmm. Is a very demoralizing situation. These are very different people. Mm-hmm. She has much more of a maternal vibe about her, eh? Yeah. I feel like if I met that guy, I'd be like, no. But if I met that woman, I wouldn't have that instinct, instinctive reaction right away. She seems so nurturing and like she really cares. She seems like she stops and listens and like looks in your eyes and gets you. Mm-hmm. It's the eyes. Yeah, it's the eyes. <laughs> but again, this is like your fantasy of like, mm-hmm. she just saw me and she got me. And she did. She got you, but not the way you wish. Yeah. Anyone who encourages your critical thinking, your discernment, and your independence is okay for you. Mm -hmm. But anyone who asks you to let go of those things and trust in the process, not that trusting in the process is bad. Trusting in the process is very good. But to let go of your discretion and your common sense, to not question things, that's where we have a problem. And with both of these people, if you said to them, your process isn't working for me, this isn't working for me, you wouldn't get their love anymore. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to turn to a spiritual teacher or mentor and they can't hear a criticism, they can't own like, oh, this was wrong for you. Let's find something that works for you. Then they're 100% bad for you. Mm -hmm. And I think in general, that's like true. But for you specifically and personally, it's very 100% true. 
So it's something for you to be mindful of. And it's ultimately because you need to figure out who you are and give yourself permission to be that around other people and in private. Mm -hmm. That's the work. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Is there anything else that we should speak to? No, that is extremely helpful. I feel like I have a process to think about now. Yeah, I just have a lot to think about. (laughs) You have a lot to think about. You've You've got like lists to write. You've got shit to do. Mm-hmm. As you are in your Pluto transit, as you are in your Saturn return, you're going to continue to be confronted by your habits. You're going to be offered opportunities to make the same old choices in new situations. And what you want to just keep on coming back to is yourself. And I know that kind of sounds amorphous, but at the same time, you know how to do that. You just have a hard time validating it. This is where putting processes in place, like having like write some responsibilities lists, you can even do one for like a mentor, should you ever try to get one again? What are the rights of a mentor? What are the responsibilities of a mentor? What are your rights towards one? You know, what are your responsibility towards one? Something like that can help you so that you have something to return to that you've determined to be right for yourself, not in reaction to the person, but in response to what you feel to be right for you as a person. Mm-hmm. And that'll really help throughout all your days. Yeah, I can definitely tell. Good. Thank you. I'm so grateful to you. And I just, this was a dream for me. So thank you. Yay. Oh, it is my pleasure.